The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here's your host, Victoria Moran. October 1st was World Vegetarian Day, and here in the U.S., October 4th is National Kale Day. Also this week, it was announced that public schools in New York City will have a vegan option in every school for every lunch. Amazing. And the prestigious magazine, The Atlantic, did a huge story called Mayonnaise Disrupted about Josh Tetrick and Hampton Creek Foods, and quotes Tetrick, who chooses not to use the word vegan in any of the company's marketing, as saying, my primary motivator is alleviating animal suffering. For me. For me. And Australian business journalist Katrina Fox, who's been a guest on this program, was just retained by the eminent business publication Forbes.com to write on vegan and plant-based businesses. She'll be speaking the weekend of October 21st to 23rd in London at VegFest UK, along with Dr. Will Tuttle, Dr. Milton Mills, Dr. Heather Lounsbury, and non-doctor me. I'm Victoria Moran, host of the Main Street Vegan Program. Welcome to today's show. After the break, we will be speaking with the troubadour of the vegan movement, Vegan Smythe, whose work I learned about at VegFest UK a few years back. And right now, we will be speaking with at least half the team behind this amazing festival, Tim Barford. 
Tim has been vegan for 33 years and running vegan events in the UK for the past 15, including Bristol, now in its 16th year, Brighton in its 10th year, and London in its 5th year, and about to host not just another fabulous veg fest, but a dedicated trade show the day before the public festival. The other half of the team is Alan Lee. I want to give a great shout out to Alan and to welcome you, Tim, to the program. Hi, Victoria. Thank you ever so much for having me. I'm truly humbled to be on your program. Thank you. Well, it's always a pleasure. And talk about humbled. When I walk into that Veg Fest in London, it just looks like the whole world has gone vegan. So (laughs) tell me... Uh Let's start with the trade show, because this is big. I mean, we're talking about Katrina's now writing for Forbes. Business is really looking at vegan as a thing. Well, let me say, first off, congratulations to Katrina. I saw that news this morning, um, uh, uh, this morning, our time in the UK, uh, really inspired. And Katrina's been such a huge part of this trade show already. Um, She really has. She's been working on it with us since, well, all year. And, and here we are, the UK's first ever dedicated vegan trade show. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, I think it's a reflection of just how far veganism, you know, has come. Um, you mentioned just now about how, you know, that's amazing news that New York are going to have vegan meals in all the schools. Amazing. Um, yeah. And, and we're hearing news like this, like daily, on a daily basis from all around the world, incredibly inspirational, positive, life-affirming, vegan achievements and, and you know, genuine victories, genuine steps forward. Um, and, and to be, to be um, a host of this incredible collection of speakers and people and ideas and inspiration is, is you know, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Tim, can I ask you to be a little bit closer to your mic? I think we're going to sure. be having a little sure. bit more. Yeah, oh, there, that, that's much better. Okay. So when when we think about a vegan trade show, are we talking about little ma and pa businesses or, or bigger businesses or a delicious combination? Well, yeah, the, the, the combination is the, the beauty of it. To see, you know, kind of up and coming like artisan, vegan cheese businesses, vegan pies. Um, vegan, some of the vegan body care and the, the clothes, the vegan T-shirts, kind of with established brands like, um, you know, some of the big brands that are now providing for the supermarkets and the, some of the multiples in the UK. So there's this lovely combination of mainly independent family vegan businesses, but with a real, you know, kind of heavyweight addition, some big distributors, some big big attendees, some big, big exhibitors. And, and it's, it's really hard actually, to see it happening. So it hasn't lost its kind of intrinsic roots of people-based, passionate, independent businesses. Yeah, we love that. I, you know, sometimes the little businesses are bought by big conglomerates, and sometimes I think we kind of have a shock at the beginning, like, oh, my gosh, you know, we're getting awfully close to people we disagree with, and yet that's often what gets the products where people can really find them. Well, to be fair, we are faced with those challenges, and it's important to retain an ethical 
um, and clear position, uh, especially with veganism, uh, whilst also retaining a very welcoming and open and inclusive approach um, that allows people who are still kind of transitioning, and especially vegan, uh, especially businesses that are not yet vegan, but are looking to increase their vegan options, um, restaurants perhaps or cafes, uh, shops that are not 100% vegan, but they want to come and learn more and take on more. So we are in a process of transition. One of the interesting things uh, we noticed from feedback recently was that the biggest single reason that um, the public, that we, from our feedback, uh, has said that, the, that they think is behind the growth of veganism, in the UK especially, is the availability of vegan products. Um, it's the availability of vegan products alongside all the UK vegan events and all the grassroots efforts and the, um, the effect of sort of social media that is having the big change effect. Um, also some of the, you know, the big charities. So, so we're seeing, but the, the number one reason was the availability of vegan products. So I suppose in a nutshell, the idea behind the vegan trade show is it really is it's kind of activism, but in a, in a way that perhaps people wouldn't see it as activism. But in fact, the effectiveness of this particular activism is potentially behind more change in people going vegan than any other form. So it's quite an interesting challenge. Um, so far, I've got to say, it's it's just been it's just been amazing, a real privilege to um, you know be able to be in a situation to manage this um, this this groundbreaking event. Oh, it's wonderful, and, and you're absolutely right about the availability of products. I remember that when I went vegetarian originally, when I was 18, it was when I moved to London. Because London had vegetarian restaurants, London had cranks, London had food that I could eat. So all of a sudden, it wasn't just this thing I wanted to do. It was something that was real and possible. And of course, now it's real and possible in a whole lot of places all over the world, just about everywhere. So tell us, Tim, what are some of the highlights for the weekend for the big uh, public festival this year? Well, um, I mean, the public festival is, you know, pretty, pretty big. It's growing. We've got a lot. Um, we've got, I think, now 170 stalls booked in. We're still taking bookings. So it's bigger than ever before for stall holders. Um, in terms of speakers, you know, the one of the beauties of being in this position is getting to kind of select the, the sessions and then inviting the speakers or inviting um, people to to kind of host those areas. Um, we mentioned Katrina Fox is hosting the, um, the vegan business support group in, in the, um, in the trade show. Uh, Christopher Sebastian is hosting this um, environment and food S sustainability summit on the Sunday. And I think, you know, that area is something for me, that's really close to my heart. That's why I went vegan 33 years ago during the live aid Ethiopian famine, and it, it was always on humanitarian grounds originally. Um, this this kind of you know this 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 clear link between um, using indigenous people's land for for growing cattle fodder so that European people could 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 you know drink milk um, through the winter was was reprehensible, and that's what originally motivated me to to not only go vegan but 
importantly stay vegan because we know it can be challenging in the early days especially um and that sort of strong kind of ethical foundation which wasn't based in animal rights it's very much based in human rights uh why i originally went vegan and stayed vegan um, it was only later i kind of come into the animal rights um understanding so this environment and food sustainability summit and you know we're thrilled we've got um brenda sanders is is one of our keynote speakers she's she's coming over from the usa um and uh dr tusha meta is also going to be there um uh, joshua catcher the, these areas of basically how food and food sustainability <coughs> the environmental impact of animal agriculture and you know these are areas really close to my heart yeah of course <coughs> and i'm i'm just such a fan of Joshua Catcher. Oh my gosh, that young man is going to change the world. And what he has taught me is that the meat industry, the animal food industry, is just providing people with what they want. If they could make as much money or more money providing vegan food, they would do that. But the fashion industry, in its great egotism, wants to tell people what to want. They want to set the terms but people like Joshua and, and the other wonderful fashion designers are saying, no, we're not going to take it anymore. We are going to say that cruelty is not beautiful. So wonderful, wonderful that you'll have him. So, Tim, you meet all these people and you travel around and you see what's going on. Just give us a capsule view of what's going on with veganism on a global scale. Well, I think, you know, look. Uh, obviously, I'm lucky I'm sat in Bristol in the UK working on some of the biggest vegan events in the world. Um, so it is undoubtedly a position of privilege. Um, I get uh, the chance to communicate with some of the most fantastic people on the planet right now. And, and, and you know, so in a way, it's a kind of, a, it's, a, it's a slightly... Um, Blinkered view, perhaps. I'm lucky to have access to some of these, these amazing people. What I'm seeing very much in the UK is a rise in veganism from justice perspective. People, the millennials, what we may refer to as millennials, you know, they're, they're demanding this. This isn't some kind of lifestyle option, some kind of health fad, some kind of possible optional extra. Maybe you know, closer this, closer to your mic, Tim. I don't want anybody to miss what you're saying. It's not a it, health fan. It's not an option. It is, this is. This is a need to. You know, this is something that people are beginning to demand. And certainly, what we're seeing in the UK is amongst the millennials. This is a matter of justice. This is a demand for change. This isn't a polite request or an optional extra or a health fad. This is actually a reality. People are waking up and they're saying, look, we want veganism. Um, we understand that many people have other priorities. You know, many of us are just about managing. Many of us have many, many challenges to face. In fact, all of us have challenges to face. And sometimes animals are not a priority. But we've got a growing movement that's demanding that at the very least we stop using animals in the way that we are. And 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 it's heartwarming, you know. Um, I know people of our generation, especially Victoria, you know, those <laughs> those of us that remember cranks, 
you know, we've been we've been trying for this for a long time, and we've been trying many many different tactics and methods and avenues, and sometimes we're frustrated, and sometimes we feel like we succeeded. But I think what we're seeing now is the roots are really beginning to bear fruit, and we're seeing veganism as an ethical position, a philosophy of justice for animals, really, really emerging. And, and I think it's unshakable. And globally, I believe we're on a winner. I believe that promoting veganism and living vegan is, is pretty much the, 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 the best contribution you can make right now. And I, I really understand that some people are very isolated in their veganism and they feel perhaps sometimes that promoting veganism is, is failing or it's not succeeding or no one's listening or no one's acting. But, but I'd say, you know, keep faith. Keep, keep promoting veganism from an ethical position and be gentle, be respectful, be compassionate, be understanding, be full of love, be full of happiness, but keep your position and, and be live, live true to, to that. And we'll see veganism establish itself as the number one way of life on this planet. And I believe we'll see that in our lifetimes. Wow. And because we'll live a really long time, of course we will. <laughs> uh, so, Tim, oh, I hope we can yeah. have some tea when I'm over there. So, everybody, if you're in England or anywhere in the UK or if you're in Europe, just just go to this thing. I mean, how hard would it be? It's the weekend of the 20th of October. You can get all the information on the website, london.vegfest.co.uk. I'll put that on the show notes as well. Or you can just go to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and it's VegFestUK. Very, very easy. And you know what? If you're over here in the States, just go to Expedia and see if you can get yourself a cheap flight to London for a weekend. Why not? People who do exciting things have exciting lives, and this will definitely be one exciting weekend. Thank you, Tim Barford and VegFest UK. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Victoria. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for all the support. We look forward to seeing you. Yeah, me too. Okay, everybody. You know what? When we come back, we are going to have a musical answer to the question that you are asked more than any other. Uh, where do you get your protein? Stay with us. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? 
Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Where can you hear some of the great spiritual speakers of our day? All in one place. At Unity Village, the evening of October 18th, when the Association of Global New Thought comes to campus. Prepare to be inspired. Hear powerful presentations from Michael Beckwith, Roger Teal, Donna Johnson, Wendy Craig Purcell, Temple Hayes, Ken Gordon, David Goldberg, Kevin Ross, and Unity CEO Jim Blake. If you can't be there, watch on live stream. Visit unityvillagechapel.org. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan.
have an anthem oh my gosh that is i am vegan hear me roar by vegan Smythe. i made a mistake with the mp3s so that was not the song about where we get our protein but you know what maybe that just means that god wanted you guys to hear three vegan Smythe songs today instead of two we'll see how that goes but right now i would love to introduce you to oh my gosh the guy that I feel about in 2017, the way I felt about the Beatles at an earlier part of my life, and that is I'm a fan and he's so cool. Vegan Smythe is a singer, songwriter, and comedian based in Adelaide, Australia. He has appeared live at vegan festivals throughout Australia and at VegFest UK in London. His YouTube channel has had over, listen, 340 thousand views welcome brenton edgecombe vegan smythe thanks very much victoria great to be here with you it is such a pleasure i just cannot tell you how much i listen to your music and how happy it makes me so let's get started with how you got to be who you are how long have you been vegan okay i haven't been vegan particularly long uh by vegan standards i became vegan in 2012 and basically started the vegan uh, smythe project straight away when i became vegan and where did you come up with the name it's so clever thank you um it's a quite a a weird story but uh, i was putting together a a show for a fringe festival i wanted to make a, a funny kind of show and i was thinking of a show name and i thought it could be something like jesus christ superstar and i thought Jesus and vegan kind of sound a bit similar. So then I came up with, and the show name was going to be Vegan Smythe Superstar. I love it. Oh, that's Thanks. perfect. Perfect. So this is recent. What then inspired you to go vegan? Um, well, my wife and I went on a uh, meditation retreat, uh, and it was all vegetarian, and they talked about non-harming principles and all that kind of stuff. And I have to say, until then, I'd never even really thought about non-harming and never really thought that um, that eating animals was and uh, other animal products is a form of harming animals. I really was just too stupid to see that reality. And um, so after that light bulb went off, I guess it still took a couple of years and a few other inspirations, one of them being Jonathan Safran Foer's book, Eating Animals. I, uh, I was lent that by a friend and uh, again, by a quite a coincidental uh, circumstance, and read it, and uh, all the all the points came together, and uh, my wife and I just decided one day that's it, we're going to be vegan. It's the only way forward from here. It's really I couldn't. Uh, I'd been tossing it around in my brain for a while, and I couldn't see any other option for myself at all but to go vegan. That is fascinating to me, and that you got so involved so fast, and that you brought your career into it. So I know you're a classically trained musician, so tell us a little bit about how the the work and the cause uh, coincided. 
Uh, well, I guess the thing is, you know, as I was moving towards becoming vegan, actually, I, in a way, one of the things that inspired me to become vegan was wanting to be a vegan activist. I, I can remember myself thinking everyone in the world should be vegan, uh, except me because I'm too busy or it's too hard for me. But, you know, everyone should be vegan. So I really had that uh, activist kind of bent in mind. Uh, even before I became vegan. So as soon as I became vegan, I thought, how how do I uh, spread the message? What have I got? And I thought, well, I'm an entertainer, and uh, I don't know, <laughs> do something using entertainment, using the skills that I've built up over the last 20 years to try and help spread the message. That's one of the most exciting things to me because it really doesn't matter what somebody's background is. They can find something in there that they can use to help carry the message. It's really exciting. Mm. So I I love everything about your music, but I am a verbal person. So when I think of a song, I'm always hearing lyrics. So uh-huh. tell us about your process. Do you do lyrics first, music first? What's more important to you? Um, I think with the songs, uh, looking back on the writing process, I probably mainly wrote the lyrics first. I get a lyrical idea. Sometimes you get an idea that's... Uh, a, a lyric and a bit of a snippet of a tune come together like a grab, you know, like say, you know, where do you get your protein? So that I, maybe I just thought of that as words and music combined and then worked from there. But definitely uh, the lyrics came first pretty much with all the songs. Yes. Well, the song that we just heard, the I Am Vegan, Hear Me Roar, and I do want to encourage everybody to watch that one on YouTube and you'll see lots of people that you know. And that was just such a great idea to collage a lot of of vegan activists, some very well-known, some somewhat well-known, some new. I I looked Mm. up people. I met new people. Uh, I I had actually a guest on this program, uh, Jasmine Leva, with her her, Uh um, new film coming. I didn't know who she was, but I saw her on I Am Vegan, Hear Me Roar. And, uh, you know, she's fabulous and amazing. She's such a great guest. So what Great. was your thinking behind this vegan anthem? Uh, I guess it was um, as an entertainer and being a small business, very small business person as an entertainer, self-employed uh, kind of freelancer, I'm always thinking of marketing ideas, how to sell myself, how to get more gigs, basically. So I just came to that kind of idea rather than uh, do the artistic thing, which is to write about what I think. Uh, try and create something which is what people might want, you know, the other way around. So I thought, well, I don't think there's really a, an anthem for vegans. And I, I Googled it a bit and I didn't really find anything that that hugely fit the bill as something that was specifically done for that purpose. So um, I, I, I wrote it for that reason. And I had that tune banging around in my head for about two years before I wrote it. But obviously I was inspired by the idea of I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar uh, mm-hmm. by Helen Reddy. Uh, which became an anthem for feminism. And I think that was pretty much intentional on her part, I think, from what I've read, that it become an anthem for feminism. So, uh, yeah, to write an anthem on purpose was uh, w- was the idea. Aha. Uh-huh. So as an artist, I mean, I, I think of this as a writer, certainly my work in the world as, as a journalist and, and an author has changed a lot in the past 10 years. So what's it like to be an entertainer in the era of the Internet? Oh, that's a very good question. Well, um, I have to say, firstly, I probably, uh, being an older person, I'm nearly 50, um, 
I probably don't use the internet. I, I put it this way. I'm quite awed by the way some people use the internet. And it's not necessarily an age thing, but I think it's easier for kids who grew up with the internet. And some of the stuff you see on YouTube, the way people get things out. You know, when I was a kid trying to be a songwriter, um, you'd, you'd go into a pub and play to 15 people, most of them too drunk to even know you were there. And that was the way to try and start a career. Whereas these days, people create professional looking and sounding stuff just at home and put it on youtube and some people have millions and millions of views on their stuff so the the way an entertainer can get their uh, work out into the world has changed immensely well it's interesting to me that in so many ways it's easier to get the work out and yet it's harder to make a living <laughs> <laughs> that is so true yeah it, it's quite bizarre although it's always been very difficult to make a living out of entertainment to be quite honest but uh yeah i know what you mean you can be uh you've probably heard of the uh, australian comedian actor paul hogan who made the film crocodile dundee sure. and uh when he yeah when he was a young comedian working in sydney uh, he, and he just started getting some TV work. He gave this interview and he said, well, right now I've got the worst. He said, because before I was poor and not famous. Now I'm working on TV doing these comedy spots. He said, now I'm poor and famous. He said, that's the worst. <laughs> I guess. Uh, and I've also heard that once you really get to the, the pinnacle of success, your greatest desire is that people had been as nice to you before. <laughs> <laughs> as they are after. So yeah, maybe. um let's let's do get in your your greatest hit to date. Uh so Jeff, are, are you hearing me here? Can we be kind of gearing up to do um where do you get your protein? I'm gonna just uh type Ever since I've been a vegan, it's been like a broken record, an irritating sound bite. Looping round and round forever. Where do you where do you where do you get your protein? Where do you get, where do you your, get your protein? Where do you get your protein? Where do you get your protein? Whoa, where do you get your protein? Tell me where apples are two percent protein. Bananas are 5% protein Oranges are 8% protein And tomatoes are 19% protein Where do you, where do you, where do you get your protein? protein? Where do you get your protein? Lettuce, 36% protein Spinach, 50% protein Five, oh. Potatoes are 18% protein where do you where do you get your protein? 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 While keeping our arteries clean Broccoli's got a big three, three Lentils have got a big three, four Soybeans got the big three, five And the main thing is I'm alive I'm a vegan and I'm actually still alive OMG, LOL, WTF 
Where, 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 As portion of total calories, 56% protein. And in case you want to know about meat, the animal flesh that some people eat, well, beef can contain up to 40% protein. Weigh less than a kidney bean. Oh, that's, that's fabulous. No wonder it's a classic. <laughs> so Thank if you. listeners, you want to hear more Vegan Smythe, uh, it's Vegan Smythe, S-M-Y-T-H-E dot com, Vegan Smythe on Facebook, at Vegan Smythe on Twitter, and of course, YouTube, where you not only get to hear these wonderful songs, but you get to see them performed by Brenton and his wonderful musician, comedian, actor, um, compadres <laughs> there in Australia. So why do you think, Brenton, that this protein question just seems to live forever? It's really amazing, isn't it? But uh, I have to say, uh, before I went vegan, that was one of the first things I was interested in myself. Like, okay, I went on the internet and I thought, well, I, I really want to go vegan, but how do I get protein? Because, uh, And uh, it's very disturbing right now that uh, – the uh, industries that uh, create uh, animal flesh for consumption seem to be really ramping up a campaign that whenever that substance is uh, mentioned on a TV show, a cooking show or something, they always call it the protein. So they're trying to build up this image that we need protein and that protein is animal flesh and there's no other source of protein and uh, it's it's gone from something that everyone maybe thought in the back of their mind now to something that's been hammered in harder and harder as the vegan movement grows. The uh, the animal flesh industry really doesn't want people to know that you can get protein from just about every food available. Well, from every food available. If it's got a cell wall, it's got protein. Exactly. Well, you do a wonderful way and certainly entertaining job in, in this amazing song that so many people have listened to. How many people have listened to this song? Well, it's quite interesting. It's got about 140 or something views on YouTube on my channel. But uh, two months ago, this uh, company in England called Charlie Fies to make vegan backpacks, they made their own version of the song, which is basically uh, somehow they downloaded the video from YouTube and they put it on their own little platform and put the, the lyrics flashing up above my head as I'm singing it. And that video has had another 113,000 views. So I'm looking at nearly a quarter of a million people have seen that video now, unless there's other vi- versions that I don't even know about. I suppose that's very possible too. Wow. Well, and you know, the whole thing about mushrooms, I actually learned that from your song. I knew that mushrooms had a lot of good things going for them in terms of cancer prevention and and that, but I did not know the protein content. So you see, art can be very educational. Good. Here in Australia, 
Here in Australia, when I was a kid, there was a an ad on TV uh, run by a mushroom board or whatever they were, and they said, mushrooms, it's meat for vegetarians. So uh, I guess I knew that I knew that mushrooms were a protein thing from a long time back. Oh, that's cool. Well, you know, it is interesting that I think sometimes the the commercial non-animal foods, not even necessarily vegan companies, can also be helpful in getting this protein myth at least mitigated to a certain extent out in the world. Not long ago, there was a commercial being run over here that was for hummus. And they kept saying, plant protein, plant protein. And I thought this is so good because it's getting into people's heads the idea that whether it's hummus or something else, plant protein is a thing. Mm, For sure. (laughs) So it's so good. Do you have a tear on your face? Is that something I've seen in some of your videos? That tear is in all of my videos, and it's part of the. It's not real. <laughs> it's a, it's a tear tattoo, and uh, it's part of the character. When I created the character, I wanted to. Uh, I was tossing around ideas for some kind of look, and I thought this tear, this tear tattoo. It's kind of a double-edged sword because it's obviously a tear of. Um, a sadness and, and personal regret at what I'd done before becoming vegan, at being responsible for so many deaths and suffering of, of non-human animals. And uh, secondly, it's also uh, the tear tattoo is, uh, according to urban myth, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's true because I've read it a lot, is a, it's a prisoner tattoo indicating that that person is a murderer. So it's also that. Oh, how fascinating. A, you know, uh, having been responsible for the murder of so many animals. Yeah. So that's that's the um, story of the tear tattoo. Well, it's it's very effective. So, what do you have planned for the future for for Vegan Smythe and for Brenton Edgecombe? Well, that's a very good story. A very good question. For uh, a lot of the last three years, I've been very preoccupied, and uh, the, the Vegan Anthem is the first song I've put out for three years. Um, I was the secretary of a political party here in Australia called the Animal Justice Party, uh, which is a party obviously geared towards uh, animal issues. And uh, that took up all my time, if not more, (laughs) for a long time. And um, my wife and I have just currently, uh, just a a few months ago, moved cities from Melbourne where we were living uh, to Adelaide, which is a smaller city, which is where we grew up, uh, to help out with some family stuff here. So we're kind of just regrouping and getting ourselves together again. And uh, hopefully before too long, some more vegan Smythe activity will emerge. Well, that'll be wonderful. We will all be looking for that. So as you see the, the world scene What's happening for animals? What's happening for veganism? And also, certainly, what's happening for the climate? I think in Australia, there's more of an enlightened and progressive view of of the climate crisis than in some other parts of the world. So how are you seeing all that from the land down under? Okay, well, as far as climate, I can't really say whether whether people here are more enlightened or aware. There's certainly talk about it, but so. Uh, yeah, I couldn't speak on that very knowledgeably. Um, as far as veganism goes, I think it's clear to everyone uh, that veganism is catching on. Uh, when I was a kid, I'd never heard the word vegan and barely even imagined that there could be such a thing as a vegetarian. Uh, nowadays, there's vegans everywhere. Everyone you talk to, 
and you say, I'm vegan, they say, oh, my daughter's vegan, my niece is vegan, my best friend's, you know, sister's cousin's vegan. There are vegans everywhere. And I do think it will eventually reach a tipping point, whereas now people can still kind of dismiss us and think we're a bit weird and pat us on the head and, you know, give us a give us a dry biscuit. I think um, eventually there'll become a, a, a point where there'll be that many vegans that people who are not vegan will be asking the internal question, why am I not vegan? Why am I the person that's uh, happy to harm animals when there's so many people who are not doing that? So hopefully uh, I think it will eventually find its find its end point where the majority of people, eventually everyone becomes vegan and society's tossed over, particularly, uh, particularly in the West where it's more e- possibly more easy for more of us to do it. You know, yes. in more so-called developed countries, where the, the accessibility of uh, of non-animal-based foods is is huge. There's absolutely, positively, not a single reason why anyone should not be vegan at all. Whereas I can understand people say, well, "What about the Eskimos?" and "What about people who who can't have access to any plant foods?" And maybe that's possible. I don't know, but uh, definitely. Where I live, everyone could be vegan. No one uh, would have a problem with it. No one could not afford it. It's just right there. Well, I love your idea that we want to do what other people do. It's just the nature of being human. And we think that after you're 14 or 15 years old, we come out in this great individualism and we don't care about what other people do, but we do. (laughs) And I think the more vegans there are, the more it's, uh, it's the in thing. So what's yeah, it like? Yeah, imagine if, if no one cared about what people did, there'd be no Facebook. Exactly. Oh, that's for sure. So, Brandon, what's it like to have an alter ego? You, you are yourself with your regular name, and then you're also Vegan Smythe. I know a few other vegans like this. Uh, the dietitian Marty Davy is also La Diva Dietitian, and she's on YouTube looking like a 1950s housewife with a martini glass talking about plant-based nutrition and there you are with your your music and your comedy and then you're also vegan smythe is there crossover or how does that work that's a really interesting question um firstly as an entertainer um my wife and i our primary uh income is an act we do called string fever um, where I play violin and she plays cello and we jump around and do kind of crossover stuff. And I'm a very wacky, zany character in String Fever. And so I guess I took that character and made it into Vegan Smythe. Um, the idea of, I suppose, a comedy character has to have a strong point of view, which is very easily discernible. And Vegan Smythe is not me and I'm not Vegan Smythe. Vegan Smythe is 100% talks about veganism and nothing else and just... <laughs> and laughs at people who are not vegan and thinks they're kind of crazy and can't really understand where they're coming from. So it's almost like a futuristic viewpoint of, you know, say projecting 20 years into the future where that is the case. I I guess that's where it's at. So it can be a bit weird. You know, uh, when I first started the character, everyone just called me VS or Vegan Smythe and no one knew my name or no one even imagined that I might have another name, which was kind of weird. (laughs) And so, so... You know, as I was getting into deeper relationships with people and they're just calling me VS, I say, you know, by the way, I've got a name. You might want to use that occasionally. (laughs) That's good. So, 
Yeah, but seeing it was always meant to be – the way it started, it was never meant to be this YouTube thing. It was meant to be a live uh, cabaret show. So as such, it it, it, it worked. But as it's be- become a bit more um, – more of an out there uh, in the real world character i suppose it is a bit weird but you know lots of stuff's weird oh yeah and it and it's it's weird with a purpose <laughs> and it's yeah, doing right. a great job so i want to know about my counterparts the other vegan smythe fans so do you have a sense of who this person is describe the person who has listened to all your songs 20 times each Oh, there's a massive, there's no script. It's people from all kinds of people. Uh, obviously, for me, the most exciting time is when people listen to the material and actually become vegan. That is the aim. It's the only aim of the project, really. And in fact, is a point of difference for the I'm Vegan, Hear Me Raw song because that's actually a song for vegans to use and enjoy and maybe be inspired by. But uh, all the other songs are uh, my aim is for them to be heard and, and annoyed, annoying non-vegans, and which has happened quite a lot. I've had messages from people, but all kinds of people listen to my stuff from young schoolgirls to old people to um Oh, I did a, a rally a few years ago for uh, breed-specific legislation. I, I suppose you probably have that kind of thing in the U.S., the killing of um, of dogs of certain breeds because they're considered dangerous. And anyway, people there were um, were fans of these kinds of, of dogs. And I had people there coming up to me like in, in bikey leathers and stuff like that who, who owned these dogs or had these companion animals. And they didn't even dream of being vegan at all. In fact, I'm not even sure they they realized what I was trying to say in my songs. And they were going, oh, Vegan Smythe, you're so cool. I love your song about breed-specific <laughs> legislation. So, yeah, there you go. Could be anyone. That's great. You know, you make people happy, and, and they tend to like what you're into. So, everybody, yeah. Vegan Smythe, S-M-Y-T-H-E, on Facebook, Twitter, and certainly YouTube, and I'll also put all the information uh, about Brenton and also about VegFest UK on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. So we're going to be closing a little bit early because I want to finish with another one of of Vegan Smythe's songs. I'm going to ask him about that in a minute because it's a little bit different and very very special I do want to let you know that next week Dr. Colin Campbell will be back on the show with his son Thomas Campbell MD so if you've got some questions for the Dr. Campbells you know where to find me Main Street Vegan at unityonline.org or you can find me on Facebook or Twitter Main Street Vegan all over the place and you can send me your questions Questions for the doctors, Campbell. You can also call in if you happen to be listening live on a Wednesday afternoon. And also looking back to last week, I mentioned uh, the Insight Timer Meditation app, and then my guest was Lainey Muellrath, who's written the book The Mindful Vegan. Well, she has actually teamed up with the Insight Timer people, and she has um, some of her wonderful mindfulness meditations with them, so you might want to check that out. Now, Mr. Brenton Edgecombe, Vegan Smythe, we're going to finish with this beautiful, 
heartfelt song that one wouldn't think comes from someone who describes himself as a singer, songwriter, and comedian. So tell us about this one. Um, yeah, well, you know, before I did the Vegan Smythe thing, a lot of the songs I wrote were quite uh, uh, like this one, very serious and messagey. And um, I, this song is a really weird song for me because I really don't know where it came from. It just start, It just came into my head, almost written. And I just, I guess it was banging around for a while. And I just sat down one day and wrote it. And I must say, when I finished writing it, I thought, did I actually write this or is this just someone else's song that I've had in my head? So I asked, you know, quite a lot of people, is this, did I write this? And no one else seemed to think it was someone else's song that I just ripped off. So <laughs> I guess I did. Uh, I, my wife was out working uh, the day I wrote it and she came home and I said, look, I've written this song. And she just said, I cannot believe this song. This is uh, amazing. Well, and, it is um, glorious. And it is, I will be their voice. Thank you so much, Vegan Smythe. Thank you, Tim from VegFest UK. Thanks to Unity Online Radio for hosting us. We're going to be closing with the song. So let me say before that, God bless you. Eat your veggies.
for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. The optimist sees the good in all things, builds upon the most hopeful and cheerful view of matters, and expects the best possible outcome. The pessimist, unwilling to look for the good, rarely finds it. Both optimism and pessimism are states of mind. They are attitudes, not events. The words we most often use reflect our strongly held thoughts and affect every area of our lives. If you're finding more frustration than fulfillment in your life, Take a look at what you're thinking. Find something more positive to think, say, or do. Begin building a happier, more satisfying life for yourself today as you choose to look for and find the good in every person and circumstance. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. of spiritually conscious living start now for a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential tune in to the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world
now available, You Pray, the free prayer app from Silent Unity. For more than a century, people from all over the world and all walks of life have turned to Silent Unity. With You Pray, our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access. With You Pray, you can send your prayer directly to Silent Unity. You Pray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends, plus audio meditations for your prayer time. For more about the free You Pray app and links to download, visit silentunity.org/app. That's silentunity.org/app. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life. 